welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by David Fincher's Dark Soul. Dude, you make some really dark films. Try a romantic comedy or a buddy cop movie, or maybe a cartoon sometime. Cheer up a little. Anyway, let's dim the lights and start the show. But not too far. Maybe leave that door open a crack. Right, Mr. Fincher? Welcome to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Big Three Homes. Tragic fire, take away your house. Come cry your eyes out every week while we build you a new one at Big Three Homes. That's pretty obscure. <laughs> yeah, what's that from? Nothing. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, just from your brain. Yeah, just completely mm-hmm. made that up. Welcome to The Pestle. I'm Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is The Pestle, the podcast yeah. where we like to dissect, analyze, tease apart movies to look for as the Brit said <laughs> insights into the movie making process. Absolutely. And um, so this week we are going to be finally long awaited <laughs> for a few of you out there. We were petitioned. We, yes. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Hereditary. You're welcome. A big you're welcome because this is <laughs> difficult for me to do. Uh, and it, I might sound a little different. I might starting to lose my voice. I'm long days at uh, the office to per se. But uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen Hereditary, pause the podcast, go go watch it and come back because um, we're going to be diving deep and um, there's going to be spoilers galore here. Absolutely. So, yeah. Big shout out to Peter and Daniel for getting it on the docket. I'm not shouting out to those guys. <laughs> He's no, very you bitter. Can, you can shout out to those guys all you want. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just to sit here. <laughs> not shouting out. As the man said, spoilers galore ahead. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of things. We're Well, maybe a few things. A lot might might be putting too much into it. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about story, themes, and symbolism, though I'm going to give you a heads up. I don't know that I have like what I feel is a definitive take. I'll give you my take, but I wouldn't say... This is what I really, truly believe the filmmakers are going for. So, which is which says a lot because you're able to pretty much pick a lot of things out. Yeah, normally I feel like these. Once I put on my, you know, uh, notepad goggles, like I feel like things just start kind of screaming at me, like, oh, that's so obvious now. Not this time. So, how many times did you watch this movie? Just, I mean, I saw it in theater when it originally came out, right, but right. Uh, just uh, once. For this, this, <laughs> it's not that I didn't want to do it more than what, I mean, I didn't, but I would have in order to try to right. get at it, uh, or at least come out with some other filmmaking notes because I really didn't walk away. I was so focused on trying to figure out like the theme and the story yeah, yeah. that I never took any real cinematography notes or any of the other stuff that I like to do. Usually that just jumps out. Usually, usually I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Normally I'm looking for the cinematography stuff and the story just like, oh, here's what this movie's really about. I'm like, right. oh, yeah. And so this will be an interesting one. Yeah. So we'll talk about those things. We'll talk about some of the acting and what I would say making the scene more than about words on the page and other such stuff and things and stuff. <laughs> That's going to be an ongoing thing. Okay, so a quick synopsis. We're just goofing off because it's 10 o'clock and we're, we're tired yeah, from the day. we're loopy. Yeah, uh, sorry, this is what you get. All right. Uh, so a quick synopsis of the film. 
After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. Written and directed by Ari Aster. It's starring Tony Collette as Annie, Alex Wolfe as Peter, Gabriel Byrne as Steve, uh, Millie Shapiro as Charlie, and Ann Dowd as Joan. Why are you scared of me? What? I never wanted to be your mother. Why? I was scared. I didn't feel like a mother. But she pressured me. Then why did you have me? It wasn't my fault. I tried to stop it. How? I tried to have a miscarriage. How? However I could, I did everything they told me not to do, but it didn't work. I'm happy it didn't work. You tried to kill me. I love you. Why did you try to kill me? I Why did you try to kill me? That's a rough scene, obviously, for yeah. the content matter. Jeez. Um, and I love it too, though. Beyond that, like those are some really wild thoughts that I wouldn't be surprised when I'm a parent. I, if I don't have some of these crazy, you know, thoughts that I would never say out loud, let alone to my child. But what I actually love about that scene too is uh, there's this great progression that happens towards the end that they're slipping in extra actions between these edits. So they cut, you know, from this wide shot to a close up, and then they we kind of intercut them talking back and forth but then towards the end as the energy is ramping up more and more we start cutting back and forth between them and they just start getting wetter like and at first you're thinking oh they're sweating but then you realize oh this might be like kerosene or paint thinner which they allude to earlier in the film about she doused him with paint thinner and they do it so seamlessly because of the energy is very intense. And so you kind of buy into, yeah, she is getting a little hot and they don't do it a lot all at once. It's just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And that's kind of tough to do because they probably have to act out that scene, you know, God knows how many times as they're adding makeup, adding more wardrobe, you know, touches with the water and resetting with the water and, or whatever jelly they may have been using. Uh, and so I just love how subtle and quickly it happens. And before you know it, it's just there and it doesn't feel out of place. That's a real easy thing to screw up where suddenly everyone's soaking wet and there's like a wet spot on her robe and you're like, Oh wait, what just happened? But it's, it's seamless. I love it. Um, that said, how did you feel walking away from this movie? <laughs> I crawled away from this movie. No, okay, okay. So let me get a few things. Uh, one thing in particular, straight uh, for for everyone out there. Most most people that I know that really like movies love horror movies. That uh, they just do. I'm not one of those people. Mm-hmm. I I do not like scary movies at all. I don't like being scared. Some people say it makes you feel alive. It doesn't. It makes me want to die. I don't like it. So I stay away from scary movies because rarely do I find myself saying, oh, yeah, that's I I, I gained something from that. You know, it's usually just let's um, let's 
make something really quiet and then have something pop out at you and a loud noise at the same time to scare the living shit out of you. And it's like cheap, Mm -hmm. right? Most of the time. Yeah. Which is funny as a side note, because you're not one who shies away from discomfort in general. Like you're a triathlete. You do Ironmans. That's nothing but discomfort. And so it's a different kind of discomfort, but I find it interesting that, you know, that you pick your discomforts. Yeah. Well, I pick my races. And yeah. Then it, it, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do with, but maybe, maybe that is a valid <laughs> uh, statement there. But this one, I, man. Okay. Okay. So I went into it, not knowing a whole lot. I knew there's a freaky kid in it and the grandmother passes away and then like spooky stuff happens. Right. That's all. I knew. Mm-hmm. And typically it's kind of all that happened, but so much more did happen, obviously, but it, it just, the thing that was really good about this movie, let me start on the good points. The thing that was really good about this movie was I didn't get the, the stereotypical jumps out at me Mm -hmm. and it was just, and that's why it was so scary. Like really good, scary movies to me are the ones that they, you're just on the, on the seat on the edge of your seat the whole time and, and ready, but you're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And it's something it'll, they'll like give you a little bit and then a pull back. The first, the first thing that happens is actually pretty early on in the movie where she's, it's after the funeral and she's in, she's in her, her mother's stuff. Mm-hmm. She goes, turn off the, she turns off the light and her mother is in the corner. But like, very faint. I mean, very faint, you know, it's where if you weren't looking in that corner, when it cuts over there, you wouldn't necessarily see her. And it's not like it holds on that very long. It's like maybe a second and then it's back. She turns on the light and she's gone. That is freaky, (laughs) dude. It's so freaky. Um, And so from then on, that's, it was really cool that they did that right at the beginning or like really close to the beginning because a lot of these other scary movies they make you wait 45 minutes before scary stuff starts mm-hmm. happening, you know, and it, this was like, no, we're setting the tone right now. This is going to be uncomfortable for the duration of the movie. Um, and so that was really, really smart how they did that. And I, I did like that. There are so many other things that I don't like though. Like I, the, Go okay, on. Okay, hold on. The acting was really amazing. Tony Collette, deserves some kind of nomination yeah. for this film. Like she is for, I, I don't know if it's the editing or if it's just the way that she perform her performance. She's incredible. I don't know if you've ever seen the United States of Tara, but I uh, haven't. She, I feel like they, they cast her just off of that. Really? Alone. Yeah. She's incredible. I mean, she had the, she has such control over her face. Mm-hmm. And so that allows her to like every, every, um, uh, expression she makes is tenfold what anybody else on the screen could ever do. Yeah. You know, I mean her, uh, the, the kid that plays her son. Oh, uh, Alex. Alex. Wolf. Yeah. He's <laughs> wow. I mean, he's very, very similar in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like his facial expressions are very, yeah. you know, over the top. Both of their like little possession scenes. I was just like, wow, yes, they are freaking committing right now. Definitely. Uh, when she takes on the voice and then he's in the classroom and he's got this crazy deranged look on his face. Yeah. 
I was just like beside myself as, you know, as a viewer, but also as an actor, I'm like, hell yeah, man, y'all freaking go for it. Cause yeah. I am scared shitless right now. <laughs> you know, the more I'm talking, okay. So this is the first time I've talked about this film, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I'm, starting to come to realizations because I, I've really avoided talking about it since then because <laughs> I watched it and my wife was out of town for three days. And so my kids are asleep. It's dark. I have, I watch it and I, I left every light on. Yeah. I really did. I could not look in corners. I, I was scared shitless. And the next night, the same, the same thing the next night, it was really, really creepy. So the more I talk about it, the more I actually think this is actually a really good movie for those reasons. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I didn't really feel, um, or not the only thing, but one of the main things that I didn't really feel, just wrap this up so you can talk to, <laughs> uh, um, is the ending. I, I, I didn't really get it, You know, everything was leading to this thing. And I feel like they gave so much of it away in the process of revealing it. Um, after he, after Peter jumps out the window, that by the time, like he, he jumped out the window, that could have ended the whole thing. Or he could have jumped out the window and stood up and done that click, and that could have been it. But they had to keep going and oh, reveal she was actually this hot, you know, top dog demon man person <laughs> that needed a man's body, which is fine that that was the ending, but it sh- I felt like it just should have been, should have ended earlier. You know, it could have ended eight minutes earlier and it would have been much better. That's pretty cool. I mean, I have a very long spiel about the ending. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, a or they could have found a, a faster way to get there. Uh-huh. You know, like I think I mentioned to you when he jumps out the window and he stands up and he, and or he jumps out the window and you see the, the ghost thing, leave him. Yeah. And his him. soul kind of leaves and then enter the demon or whatever. Yeah. And he stands up and Paymon. and payment. Yeah. And he stands up and clicks. I mean, I kind of was expecting that, but it would have been nice that if that was like it. Just cut to black. Just cut to black, like right there or something. Or or maybe you don't know that he is possessed, so maybe they didn't do the whole ghost thing mm-hmm. to like make it that obvious. Yeah. And he stands up and he goes up into the into the, the treehouse, and then at the end of everything, then he clicks. Hmm. You know, or something, you know what I mean? Like more of a payoff, like a holy shit. Which I, in the previews, I actually really love, hate the, uh, the marketing for this because it's so misleading and it makes you think it's kind of this normal Satan child kind of film or, uh, she's bewitched by her grandmother or something. You don't really know, but that's also kind of the gift that they give you when you get into the movie, you keep waiting for the bad guy. Who's the bad guy? Where's the evil? And you keep waiting for it, and these weird things keep happening that don't get explained into those final, you know, minutes of the film. And I really, really deeply love that because uh, they're not. Tr- it's not a mystery. It's nothing you could have solved. It's not challenging you and saying, "Oh, are you smart? And smart as smart as we are?" They're instead, you know, just taking you on this journey, telling you a story. Uh, so I really have a deep appreciation for that because I don't feel cheated. They never teased out like that this is something that you could solve. They're just kind of letting all these things un- unravel as they do and then revealing it as a final punchline. And so it's just really, yeah, I mean, I, what, are they, what are they revealing? So well, tell me about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a lot of things that, I mean, you, for me, this is the dream. 
you don't see the twist coming and yet recognize that it was there the whole time, right? Uh, I mean, you even have Annie, the mom, played by Tony Collette, who kind of says, even as she's having that shouting match at the awkward family dinner table, you know, nobody admits anything that they've done. And she, of course, has probably been having dissociative identity disorder probably her whole life. I mean, that's why she keeps blacking out and she goes, she clearly is the one who dug up her, her mother's grave and whether that's because she's been possessed by her mother or some other, that's just a different side of her that her mother installed in her. I don't know, but her brother, her family all died from it. And so let me just walk you through all the things I think this film could be about that. I, I think totally refined, totally play that someone could create a badass argument for that. I can't, uh, I think you could easily make some kind of commentary about the patriarchy. Like at the very end, right? The women are headless and slash mindless to some extent. And they're there to worship and place our crowns on us, on the man. Uh, you could also say that this is some kind of bigger discussion about schizophrenia and DID, that multiple personality disorder, which they've reclassified, I think as dissociative identity disorder. Um, because, she, Annie, clearly had that. And then you, you could probably make a really, and I think it might have been Peter or Daniel, uh, in the comments said that they think it, or in an email to us, they said that it could be about like family. And I think you could probably say something about parenthood, about letting go of our own creations and offspring, letting them choose their own path. Or how as a person, you cannot escape your heritage. We're, we're all trapped by blood and her family. Your DNA is inescapable. Your upbringing will influence your entire life. And your upbringing is a product of centuries of culture and dogma. And so there is a, we, we've all inherited society and culture for thousands of years. Uh, it's, it's all s- sitting underneath us and it's put us where we are today. But what I think it is, and I think this is way more fun than okay. any of that okay. uh, cool bullshit is I think this is an antichrist story. I, and it's told from a God perspective, right? We have all these tiny models and I think that's pointing to the idea that there's a creator and that we're kind of pawns. We're dolls in the creator's world in their play box. And we even frequently take on those angles and perspectives as we watch the drama unfold. You know, someone is controlling and dictating this. For instance, going back to that awkward family dinner scene where the mom yells at the son and they really have it out. Well, at the end of that scene, the mom exits in this wide shot that looks like a dollhouse shot. And we stay there for what seems like ages. And they do that throughout the film really well, just kind of taking their time. I mean, you look at the, uh, the death scene of Charlie and we linger there oh my God. an incredible amount of time. I can't even talk about that scene. Dude, I was in the theater. My mouth literally hung open for several minutes. And I recognized it halfway through and I was like, I can't stop. And I was just clenched. Like I was gripping my chair. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever felt that much anxiety and tension in a film before. A hundred percent agree. It was astounding and I was just completely floored. I still don't really know what to think about it. I mean, I think it's like incredible execution. Uh, no I mean, pun intended. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. No, no pun intended there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, th- th- that was a hundred percent Alex. 
Yeah. Because all they did was yeah. hit it, hit record and like leave it on him the whole time. Totally. He sold that. Well, uh, the, he sold that perfectly. I've never had an experience watching a film <laughs> like that moment. And you probably watched it on like your laptop. I right? watched it on my laptop. <laughs> on my laptop. It, it, on my couch. Right. I cannot even fathom what that was like in a theater. Oh, overwhelming. Like I, I was in, and I, I was at the draft house. I had food. Yeah. And I just couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I yeah. had to know what just happened. What's going to happen next. I was completely beside myself. C- can we just pause here for just a second? Don't lose your place and what okay. you're yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about. But like, like thinking, think about it. Think about the setup that went into that moment. The setup was she doesn't want to go to this fucking party. He doesn't want her to go to this party. He's dragging her along because he has to. He even abandons her at the party, tells her to go eat a cake that is going to kill her. He doesn't know, but he's like, here, go eat that cake. And he runs away, right? She eats the cake while he's doing drugs with people he doesn't even really like. Just because he wants to get with a girl, right? Mm-hmm. All of that. And then, and she's so like, you, you just feel for, she's so like, like small and does not belong there. She's the youngest one there. Like, it's obvious she doesn't want to drink. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She's just alone, completely alone. And she walks in just so calmly. It's hard to breathe. Like, you know, and then... He realizes, oh, I could, she could die. I need to help her. And it's this frantic, like, get somewhere, go, go, go. And then it cuts to her in the back of the car and she's gripping at things. She can't breathe. She's kicking. Like the cuts that they have, the shots they have are amazing behind the driver's seat with her, like, against the back of the door. And all she can do is try to get some air. And then that happens. And then it stops. Just th- that whole setup was, was this, her brother is, <laughs> her brother is at fault 1000% for everything. Mm-hmm. And then, so you, and you're sitting, I'm sitting there thinking I have a little sister and there's plenty of times where I've <laughs> not wanted her to come to a party with me and I've drug her <laughs> along or whatever. But to, to think that I did something to her, and in that moment, like, I know what just happened. Oh, my God. And for whatever reason, I he was watching it. it. Yeah. yeah. And for whatever reason, I was watching that. And I was thinking, I was thinking, <laughs> I was putting myself in his, I was literally him for a moment. And I thought, my life has changed. She's gone. I'm never going to see her again. I'm going to prison. I, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. Like it went in my head. I went through all of that with him. I was him. And you yeah, obviously yeah, had yeah, the yeah, same yeah. experience. Oh, God, yes. I just, I had to talk that through. Thank you for giving me no, that, that time. Was an incredible play by play. Cause <laughs> that, that does, that does add to the very moment that we get to where you understand why he goes catatonic and why he can't face the reality of what just happened. And he just kind of goes home and it's just, he doesn't sleep the entire night. He's hoping it was a bad dream. I forgot about that. And then what happens? The oh, the mom. next day. Oh my God. Jesus. I can't even, she I'm having trouble breathing right now. I can't freaking oh, loses. Just, like, 
all compatibility with yeah. life. In, in my head, I knew that, that this was a dream. I 100% knew there's no way she's going to go out to the car and she's going to find her, her dead daughter in the car. There's there, absolutely no way that he would just leave that, that he would just drive away. And I love how they did that. that he just took his foot off the slowly. brake. Didn't even put it on the gas pedal. Just took it off the brake and slowly rolls away. Anyway. And it, slowly pulls into the house. Yeah. The whole time and in silence. There's uh, like, there's no way. There's no, he just can't face it. That's oh, also God. why I thought the marketing was so brilliant because we take her as such a main character. Yes. And we're like half an hour in and she's freaking dead now. Yeah. I, yeah. That's shocking. Yeah, You're like, totally. I, what is this movie going to be about now? Yeah. And then, and then the rest of the movie, there's, there's moments in the rest of the movie where it's obvious projection, mm-hmm. you know, her at the table screaming at her son, which she ends up doing anyway, but it, in her head, she's screaming at him, her, you know, with the whole scene that you played earlier, there's plenty of moments where it could be a dream. So I'm sitting here thinking, Oh, that didn't happen. That's a dream. Oh no, it did. That really did happen. Oh, okay. All right. Now we're moving forward. You know, it's like I'm watching everything like as a dream and then learning that it's reality. Brutal. It's brutal. It's, it's my, a total mind F the whole time. I love it because they, it's really bold and hard to do. I mean, it's great directing, I think great writing and great editing to have that much patience to say, yeah, we're going to sit on his face for, you know, 90 seconds. And then we're going to begin to exit this scene for another 20 seconds. And then we're going to ease into the house for another, you know, 30 to 60 seconds. And then we're going to sit on his face again as we wait for a good minute and a half for the mother to discover the body. Like that's several minutes of waiting to understand the impact of one moment. Yeah. Uh, And I just love i adore that much patience i don't think i ha- i'm working on it but as a filmmaker i don't think i have that much patience yet yeah. to understand i can do this well you don't have 90 minutes that's true in your filmmaking yeah. you have four five yeah. minutes <laughs> you know true. what i mean yeah so that would be the entirety of this right. <laughs> <laughs> and so i just absolutely adore that, that kind of decision making okay now right back to it and so we're watching all these shots are, you know, built around the idea. I think the shots, the storytelling, some of the, uh, the symbolism of the dollhouses that she works on. I don't know what to better call that. The, the miniature, uh, sure, miniatures, the model yeah, models, models. Yeah. Th- thank you. She's working on all these models and giving us this godlike overview. And so one thing I think we don't understand is happening through a decent movie, let alone the good and great movies, but even just the mediocre, decent movies are, are trying to insert extra data in these mundane places like in the classroom. And so every knowing everything, this is a really interesting scene that happens barely 15 minutes into the movie. So if we go by the rule that the hero is undone by his fatal flaw, What is Heracles' flaw? Arrogance. Okay. Why? Because he literally refuses to look at all the signs that are being literally handed to him the entire play. Okay. Interesting. So he thinks he has control. But let's all remember, Sophocles wrote the oracle so that it was unconditional, meaning Heracles never had any choice, right? So does that make it more tragic or less tragic than if he has a choice? Less. 
Okay. Why? Because. Care to weigh in, Peter? Um, about which part? I think it's more tragic because if it's all just inevitable, then that means that the characters had no hope. They never had hope because they're all just like hopeless. They're all like pawns in this horrible, hopeless machine. They're all just pawns in this horrible, hopeless machine. Heracles, by the way, is uh, Hercules. And just by another name from, I think, the Greeks instead of maybe the Romans. I don't know. I get twisted up in all the old mythologies. But they're distracting you with other visuals. Like you can listen to that and hear very clearly, oh yeah, this is very obviously discussed uh, like a meta commentary about this very film. But when you're watching the movie, they're distracting you with visual storytelling of him, Peter, checking out the girl in front of him. And then he's getting a text about smoking weed. And then he's kind of looking around. And so they're doing these audio cues, right? They're building in this this other backbeat that's kind of all distracting you from the meta uh, discussion that they're having right there in the open. Yeah, I mean, I missed that completely because I'm just waiting for something. To- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With that music, that woo, 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 woo. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, something's happening. Oh my God, come on. Happen, 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 happen. Oh, people are talking? I don't care. Happen, happen. <laughs> and I love that. I, they're all... That's very much what's happening here is they're all being controlled by someone else. And so I think this is this story of how the little antichrist couldn't find a place to be born, (laughs) (laughs) but finally found a home in the body of Peter guided by the ball of light, which I think we could call the North star quote unquote. And the signs were there all along, similar to the Jesus cross. They have the tree symbol as necklaces and iconography etched into important places like the light pole and the attic. They had their little rituals, uh, like they take off their shoes when they uh, enter the house. And the god, Paimon, chose the body of a young virgin woman and through her gained the body of a man. And so the final scene, I think, takes place in a manger. And the final shot of the film even looks like a model nativity scene. It's, it's the inverted Jesus story. This is the nativity story told with a horror backdrop. And in fact, let's just listen to the music that we end on. Oh, I don't want It's pretty, it's pretty tame, I think. Oh yeah, right. This isn't horror music. This is like, I don't know, revelatory. This is welcome home kind of music.
I mean, I think it's beautiful, beautiful music, but it also just feels very grandiose and it doesn't feel like, oh, we're trying to scare you anymore. Now that feels like we're entering into something beautiful and majestic. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think there's tons and tons and tons of symbolism and things that are happening that I just am not picking up on. Like there's a, the bird in the cage next to, next to him at the very end. I, could that be the same bird that hit the window earlier in the film, right before that scene about Heracles and she takes the scissors and cuts its head off. I don't know. I think there's a lot of interesting things that you could probably pull apart if you're wiser than I, but I like the whole nativity antichrist idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. I mean, I struggle myself to kind of figure out what like the whole theme of it is. I mean, it has to have some, obviously it's called hereditary. Right. So it has to be, have something to do with either not just genes, but just like overall passing down your shit. Yeah. You know, my dad gave me his, whatever that might be. My mom definitely, you know, gave me her impatience and (laughs) frustration. Yeah. You know, and and, um, other things, you know, whether that's a a disease or, you know, like schizophrenia Mm -hmm. or maybe, or whatever, but just passing those things, it has to have something to do with that as well. Right. Even if it's not as intense as a demon or a cult, you know, uh, you know, still something or one of the eight Kings of hell. Yeah. You know, I mean, they took it to the extreme, um, but in every family, you know, there's some, there's some good and bad that you can hand down. And a lot of times, probably if your children get things they don't want, right. <laughs> and then that can become a source of tension within the family even and families rip themselves apart, you know, like it happens uh, a lot of times, you know, over like stuff that can't be controlled and mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but they, they took it to the extreme. They That's did for sure. I mean, I loved it personally. Like I, yeah. I was just so thrilled to be surprised. It's yeah. hard to surprise me. And especially the horror film, especially right in a good way, in a good way. And it did. It completely took me off off guard and told me an interesting story that I I wouldn't say I've never seen anything kind of like it before. I definitely have. But it hooked me in and it had my attention and it made me feel things more deeply than any other average to really, really good movie made me feel. Uh, So, yeah, I. I don't know what I would rate it. Um, for me, I'd probably give this like a four out of five, which I guess translates to an eight out of 10, which is a really, really, I, I tend to rate most things. Like we cover a lot of films that we just enjoy in general. And so our rating sounds probably way higher than they normally are. Like yeah. most things end up around like a three out of five for me. Like, yeah, yeah that was a six. That was fine. Next. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But for me, yeah, this, I think I could probably watch it several more times and get a lot of interesting stuff out of it. I was just going to ask you, how many more, like, would you want to watch this again? Probably not. And what's funny is I own it. And so maybe I will at some point just to study more of the camera language because they had some really beautiful camera shots. Like the opening shot is this really long uh, shot from inside the house. We're looking through a window to the treehouse, which is where we end. And... Now that we're having this discussion, it, it's interesting too because we pan slowly from that shot of the treehouse directly to the model house. Yeah, and so they're tying it right back together. Like if you loop this 
from the final scene to that, it begins all over again. That's re- that is absolutely insightful. And you're, you're, what you mentioned earlier about the whole playing with we are pawns kind of thing mm. that plays right into it because this whole thing, and th- that is a great setup for the whole movie too, because the whole time I'm thinking there, there's something bigger at play here because, and I didn't even remember that we started by going into the dollhouse and the real action, the live action started yeah. in the dollhouse. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. So. That, that might be the best insight that we've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everything else is just fluff. <laughs> Was building to it this building moment. Building to this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I don't know that I could even give this a number, honestly. Yeah. I, I want to, uh, because. Such a wide range and, of what and, the hell for and my you. My feelings. I, I don't, I don't really know how to convey my feelings. Yeah. I'm being totally honest. Like normally I can make up words into a sentence that kind of describes how I feel, but my feelings jump all over the place depending on the scene that we're talking about or the moment that I remember feeling in a certain moment. The, this, the feelings, you know, in the first half of the movie are completely different from the last half are completely different from the middle section. It's like, it's all over the place. And so as movies go, it probably did that better than any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. You know? So in that case, I would give it a 10, but I never want to watch this movie again, ever, ever. I never even want to see the poster for it. I don't want to have anything to do with it again because I guess it's that good, right? It's crazy. We go from a point where we're like, oh, this is going to be about a creepy kid and then she's dead and you're like, oh, it's actually about how a family deals with death in the family and then it turns and it just keeps evolving. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard to get a grasp on like, like, oh, this is what I would give this movie. It's just a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a soup. Yeah. You know, yeah, of, that's a, you're right. I've, I've been attacked. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a soup of emotion for me. And, and if I can, if I can talk on specifics, like, like, uh, the acting, I can say, for the most part, it was it was like spot on. I mean, I can't think of any. Maybe D, maybe Gabriel Byrne wasn't like the best in this, but he wasn't supposed to be. He was just some ancillary, yeah, additional member of the family. Yeah. You know, he's kind of this almost detached father figure in the house yeah. that is also still trying to control everything. He's right. he's there, but he's not really there. I don't know. Right. He has like, like faux control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he asserts himself when he finally feels like, okay, now we need a voice of reason here. Like me, <laughs> my, my family. Is that, <laughs> like, is that what yeah. happens? Like I, I think I run, I don't run it. <laughs> just, but okay. I forgot one thing that I wanted to touch on, which was, um, there's a scene whenever, She's coming, she being Annie, the mom, is coming out of the art store and she bumps into Joan. Yeah. I really love this scene because that's when Joan begins to tell her about the seance. Mm -hmm. And Annie's reaction is just to keep retreating. And I love this scene from an actor standpoint because Joan has to fight for her attention and for her belief. And so... There's this beautiful thing that's happening between Ann Dowd, who she's, both of these actors are two of the most incredible, yeah, absolutely monsters in the industry. Like they are just unbelievable. Uh, And 
I would have to assume they each have at least one or two Oscar wins each. If they don't, then Jesus, what's wrong with our world? But seeing them work together was just so thrilling for me and watching. And it's so basic. It's something that as an actor, you have to get used to this idea that you're interacting with another person in this make believe world. You have to believe that it's okay to touch each other. You have to invade each other's space. And she kept doing that. And it takes a lot of confidence and just under mutual understanding that it's okay. And so as Annie kept retreating, Joan kept grabbing her and saying, no, 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 you have to, you have to listen. You have to believe me. You have to trust me. And Annie would just kind of roll her eyes, but she would get her attention back. And it was all through her eyes. And we can't even see Annie's eyes based on the angle, really just watching Joan and kind of the side of Annie's head. But she does. She, she kind of looks away. And then that's the very moment when Joan realizes I'm losing her attention. And this is the kind of thing we would do in acting classes where you would have to uh, fight for someone's attention. And sometimes like I would have a teacher kind of role play a scene or uh, we would do it with, with each other in a scene where you literally move into their line of sight to get their attention back. And so you're constantly working with each other. And I don't think this is the kind of thing that the director inserted. Definitely. Right. I thought the same thing. This is something that the actors just, they're professionals and they're incredible at their craft. And they just decided that this is what makes sense for the, for the scene. I, my, my goal here is to get Annie to believe that I can actually summon her child. And Annie's job in that, or uh, Tony Collette's job in that scene as Annie is to, I, I need to be sold on this because I don't believe it. And so they're both at ends and that contrast, that conflict is what makes these scenes so compelling. Is that, and they're doing this constantly throughout the film. You think about whenever later in just a few minutes, that's exactly what Annie has to do now. Now she has to convince uh, Steve. the father, Steve, yeah. and yeah. the son, Peter, they, she has to convince them that. Please, please. You have yeah. to believe me. Please. And she's grabbing burn it, burn them. Yes. She's moving the table. like She's yes. doing everything she can to get them to believe. And we can just kind of see this domino effect that what Joan did, Annie's now doing. And I think that all comes down to just incredible actors. And yeah, as you'd be surprised. I think before I got into acting, I just kind of assumed that what they were doing was in the script. Or it was told... To, to them by the director when in fact there's so much creative control actors have to explore their character and to understand what the scene means and what their stake is in that scene and how to fight for it. Yeah. And you really do. You have to be comfortable touching people. There's this drill. One of my favorite, uh, Renee Beal, uh, is an acting coach here in town and she's incredible. And there was this drill she would have us do with getting used to touching people and, one of them was to just the first one so basic you would just have to sit there and stare into each other's eyes until she said stop and you better believe she's going to let it go for minutes yeah minutes and minutes and minutes and you have to get past this point of being uncomfortable and laughing and shaking it away because that's all that insecurity that doesn't allow you to connect with any human and so once you get through that then there's another one that's just best. One of my favorite acting drills that I've ever done was I had just met this guy. Uh, hadn't even really met him. We were in this class together. I don't know why he was even there. He just kind of popped up in the middle of one of our sessions and 
the, the instruction was, you're going to see this guy. You're each on opposite sides of the room. You're going to see him and you're going to recognize him and say, that's my best friend. I haven't seen him in 10 years. Where has he been? Oh my. And you're just, can you imagine if I hadn't seen you in 10 years, Todd? Oh my God. Yeah. We would lose our minds and just, you know, hug and you wouldn't be so happy. I really would, but you would. (laughs) Yeah. I would recognize you. I know. I go up there and I'd hug you, and you'd be like, "Who is this really weird dude?" I'm being attacked. Me? <laughs> yeah. And we did, man. We we looked at each other from across the room, and then kind of trotted up to each other and embraced in this huge hug. We laughed and uh, we just kind of pounded on each other's back and just. I've never hugged someone so tightly that I especially didn't know, but we just completely gave into it. And it was this beautiful moment that I began to finally recognize like, yeah, I can do this. I can be comfortable with someone. And as an actor, trust that they're going to be as comfortable if they need to touch me, grab me, whatever that's going to happen. And I've been in auditions with people that I've never met and I can always tell the good ones from the bad ones by their level of comfort. And their reaction to you interacting That's with them right. physically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I, that was just one of these things that I noticed watching them work together. I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. You got to interact with each other. Watching like bad short films or bad movies, it's usually a lot of that. It's not just the bad camera work, but it's just the discomfort between actors mm-hmm. who are trying to act like they've been you know, married for 20 years when yeah. in fact they're not even comfortable kissing each other. Yeah. Like, no, you got to commit and you just got to give into it. And they are just absolute masters of their craft. They really are. It's incredible. So, yeah, the acting is really uh, amazing. The writing, I think, is pretty good. I don't remember a whole ton of, like, stuff that, like, stood out as, like, wow, that's incredible. But I feel like this was probably, like, a 90-page script that turned into a two-hour movie. Right, and... And, you know, it was told more in long, drawn-out shots mm-hmm. and more in stuff that wasn't said, I think, um, than, than stuff that was said. And that way it was very patient, which is always really good when it comes to scary yeah. film. Um, I, I, call it, I call them scary films. What, do you, what, do you, what are they? What's the genre? Horror. horror? Is it horror? I would, is it I don't horror? Know. I would call this like a horror, horror thriller. Right? Thriller? Yeah. Okay. It's just scary. Yeah, it's scary. scary. I just call it scary. It's it's in this box called scary. The boogie movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I never want to see it again. Uh, but damned if it took me on a ride. Man. Yeah. Really. That said. Yeah. What's your recommendation for the week? Oh, I'm gonna stick on the uh, the scary movie train, and I'm gonna go with The Shining. Ooh. Yeah. Another another brilliantly slow film where you're waiting for stuff to happen and very little mm-hmm. does. So, but a lot does. I went back and forth. I had a few like originally. I was thinking, oh, maybe in treatment because you get to see Gabriel Byrne actually uh, get to dive into some really rich territory. Uh, it's an HBO show. I mean, I still think it's good. But if you go to the uh, the show notes, you won't see that. Nor will you see the skeleton key, which I think. Uh, how many are you recommending? Um, these are not recommendations. These are thoughted, <laughs> thoughted, <laughs> thoughted, it's possible day, recommendations. <laughs> like because it has Peter Skarsgård and uh, no, I don't think Anne Dowd is in that one. But there's uh, Kate Hudson, still a wonderful movie. But then I realized the real recommendation is actually not a movie. 
If you go to the pestlepodcast.com slash hereditary, you can see not only the trailer for The Shining, which still holds up, that movie is incredible, but also the music video uh, from Ramona Falls called I Say Fever. And it reminded me just of this of this movie so much in that everyone's kind of hiding something. Everyone is something that they're not or pretending to be something that they're not. Uh, and it just kind of keeps unraveling and it's an incredible visual ride. And I think a great song uh, to boot. And yeah, so go watch that music video. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I'll um, watch it after this. And so next week, stay tuned. We're going to be doing the new Damien Chazelle movie, First Man. Yeah. And then after that, we actually have a recommendation from a viewer or a listener, I guess, as it were. Viewer? Yeah. I guess you can watch a podcast. <laughs> you can watch the little line. Yeah. <laughs> but stay tuned. Next week, we're going to do First Man. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes and leave us a note saying what you would like us to talk about and, and whatever stuff you find interesting. But don't forget to review us. Like Those yeah. things really help us surface and find new uh, listeners that helps us want to stay on top of this. Cause I know every once in a while we'll kind of disappear for a week or so as life gets in the way, but we really do come back more and more excited and enthusiastic after we get like an email from one of y'all yeah. and uh, a new review or a new uh, submission. Like that's, I mean, the only reason why we did this movie, why I agreed to is because <laughs> yes. we got, we got multiple people requesting it. Yeah. And I'm not saying my mom, my mom didn't call in and say, you really need to do... No. no. Like actual people I don't know are requesting this. Pete skis, dance yeah, skis. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> uh, the floor all wet, Todd. <laughs> uh, yeah, so well, uh, we'll leave you with the quote of the day, too. Uh, this one's by Mr. Rogers. Ooh, this is a good one. Thanks. Yeah. Parents are like shuttles on a loom. They join the threads of the past with the threads of the future and leave their own bright patterns as they go. I thought after this we could use a little Mr. Rogers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I had to I had to watch like a cartoon after it too, yeah. by the way. Cleanse. Wash yourself. it down. Yeah. yeah. But I love that. That's I think, good. you know, it kind of definitely makes sense when you factor in the grandmother and yeah. the mom and they're all kind of battling for their kids' futures and not really appreciating, you know, how much they're passing down from what was given to them and creating this whole new thing with their children. Yeah, I, I, you know, as a, as a parent, I strive all the time to be more patient like my dad. Like, I did not get that gene from my dad. I mean, I'm adopted, so I didn't get any genes from them. But, you know what I mean, like the whole, mm-hmm. the whole like, attitude thing. I, did, I didn't get that from him. Um, sometimes I'm patient, but not really. But I tried to be. Um, and so, you know, when I'm, I'm with my kids and... and God, I love them so much, but sometimes I just like go to sleep, man, you know, or just like, and I try to remember the way, not just the things you say, but the way you talk to them has such an impact on them, you know, and sometimes I lose it and I'll yell at my son and he'll just start crying and immediately I wish I had that back, you know, I wish I could have, you know, just not let my anger you know, uh, uh, come out in, in, in my voice. And even if I had it, you know, even if it was in my heart, you know, like if it was just, if I kept, just keep it away from him, like that needs to be, you know, my goal. And it always is my goal and I fail all the time, 
but it's the noticing that I fail yeah. and and trying to like this says paint a bright pattern in his life rather than a dark one so that when he gets older he can do the whole same thing and it's such yeah, I try to not put that on my that weight on myself too much because then it gets overwhelming yeah. because then every moment is important and if every moment is important then you just can't handle it yeah so I mean, this this is a loaded quote yeah. for, for me. Um, and I'm just reading this for the first time, so it's just yeah. you know, my actual reaction. But it's a loaded quote, and, and I think I'm going to keep it and read it pretty often. That's beautiful. So, well, well done in your, in your choice there. Thank you, sir. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. And Mark, Izzy, I really appreciate you uh, with commenting lately, jumping on, jumping in. And yeah, definitely keep keep tuning in. Absolutely. And again, join us next week. We're going to do First Man. We're really looking forward to that. Yes. Hope you guys are too. Until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Bye.